Welcome to the Hot Coffee Podcast with your hosts Kate Toon and Belinda Weaver. In each 20-minute episode, we'll be sharing secrets of successful copywriters, including copywriting tips, shortcuts, writing resources and laughs, all focused on helping you become a better copywriter. Hello, I'm Kate Toon and this is my co-host Belinda Weaver. Hi there. Today we are interviewing the lovely copywriter Tom Albrighton, uh, the founder of ABC Copywriting and a whole lot more. So today we're talking to Tom Albrighton. Tom is the founder and director at ABC Copywriting based in Norwich in the United Kingdom. He's also the co-founder of the Professional Copywriters Network the UK's largest membership organisation for commercial writers. He's an extremely well-respected and well-known copywriter who I discovered when I was starting my own business back in 2006. I particularly loved his homepage slider copy, which you should definitely check out. So hello, Tom, and thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, It's good to have a Tom on the show. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm with my people. Uh, I'm out-accented here. <laughs> uh, for once, for once, for once. Um, so, Tom, I gave you a little brief introduction there, but could you um, introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Tom Albrighton. I've been freelance copywriting for about 10 years. Um, as you said, my trading name is ABC Copywriting, which you can find at abccopywriting.com. You can find out more about what I do, which is the standard um, general copywriting service, all different kinds of clients, um, agencies, businesses, a few academics. Um, I blog there as well, um, so you can see what I think about a few things. Um, I'm the co-founder of the Professional Copywriters Network. The other co-founder is Ben Locker, um, who's another UK copywriter like me. Um, And as you said, we've got quite a few members now. We've been going for three or four years, and we are also running an annual conference. And the last one was uh, last Friday in London, and that was the third time we'd done that. So I'm still recovering from that at the moment. Wow, that's that's impressive. Um, well, well, we'll talk a bit more about the the copywriting network later on in the show because I'm I'm very keen to learn more about that. Um, so, um, Tom, you've uh, been copywriting uh, for quite a while now. What did you do before you became a copywriter, and how did you get into the wonderful industry that is copywriting? Sure. Um... Well, I started out, my first proper job was in trade publishing, non-fiction publishing, a company called Gerald Publishing, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, And while I was there, I worked on calendars, which are very interesting, um, and guidebooks, um, walking guides, um, books about stately homes and all that kind of thing. And that gave me a grounding in working with words, editing, writing, understanding printing and design and all that kind of thing. From there, I moved on to a design and editorial agency that served the public sector. Um, That taught me a bit more about dealing with clients direct, which I hadn't done up until that point. Um, And then um, that business took a turn for the worst and I got made redundant. And I thought I will give um, freelancing a try. So at that stage, um, 
I really thought of myself as an editor or maybe a writer, you know, someone who'd done some writing. Um, so I didn't think, okay, I'll become a copywriter. I just thought I would go freelance and see if I can um, sell my skills on the market. Um, obviously, that worked out. And 10 years on, um, I'm still here. Oh, it's funny. It's, it, it, the stories we hear from copywriters and how they began, there's quite a lot of similarities, I think. Um, I, like you, worked in trade press. I used to do uh, catalogues for awful shows at the Birmingham uh, NEC about, like, fire hoses and stuff like that. It was oh, very, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and then lots of people seem to have some kind of um, push, like they're either going to be made redundant or, you know, they get pregnant or something happens that makes them go, oh, this is my chance. Don't you think, Belinda? It's, it's a similar tale, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and I think... Um one of the things that's common is that um, that previous experience in the workforce that, that most uh, older copywriters bring to their new freelancing. But we did a show recently um, that talked about young people, the young, um, who were getting into copywriting like straight out of uni and being really keen. So um, it's a really interesting contrast that I think we'll see maybe change the industry in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Can't be bothered with that. I don't want these sisters coming up and, and, and stealing my project. <laughs> but Tom, you're, I think you're a really confident voice in the world of copywriting these days. Thank but you. Can you tell us a little bit about the early years of your business? Because I think we're all a bit uncertain when we start out. Yeah, well, I was no different for sure. Um, I had no idea um, where my work was going to come from. Um, who, who was going to provide it? I didn't know how I was going to charge for it. I didn't. I just didn't know anything about about freelancing at all. All I knew was that I'd worked with some. Yeah, I knew that I'd worked with some people, mostly designers, who um, seemed to get by, um, seemed to have a pretty cool lifestyle. You know, seemed to. I mean, this is how it looks from outside, obviously, but it seemed like they just did the work they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. Um, and then they went surfing or they walked the dog or they just had holidays all the time. And, you know, it just seemed like a pretty cool lifestyle, but I felt like it was it was out of my reach. Um, or I just couldn't have it for some reason. And that was why I'd never gone freelance. And like you say, it took that push um, to make me start thinking about how I could actually make it work. Um, in terms of getting started, I think I did what most people do um, by necessity, which is use the contacts um, they have to spin into a network that will eventually provide work. So I think either consciously or unconsciously, that's what everyone does. Um, I had a couple of contacts at uh, London Business School from um, work that I'd done um, in in my last job, in my, my final job. Um, and some of them were able to give me some editing work, which was great. And then, again, some other contacts from my last job who chose to work with me. So I wasn't poaching clients or anything like that. They were just contacts who said, well, they knew that I'd been doing some work, you know, under the auspices of my former job. And they just said, well, I would like to use you on a freelance basis. So I, I thought that's great. Um, I answered an ad looking for someone to do interviews for a trade magazine and that was a very valuable stream of work for several years Um, and I obviously put myself out there with a website I started that whole process Um, I did some cold calling which I hated I think 
Oh, wow. I don't think, I don't think there, are, there are many copywriters who will say they really love cold calling unless they've maybe been in a sales role, but I did do that. I can't remember it turning into any work, but you, know, you, you just do everything, don't you? And some, some, of the, some of the mud sticks to the wall and some, you know, some opportunities turn into work. Um, and gradually I built up a portfolio of what you might call real, I'm putting air quotes around that, real copywriting work. Um, and I started working with more and more businesses coming to me to write websites and, you know, pr what you would call proper copywriting. Um, and it just went from there. So um, it's all got a bit hazy in retrospect, but <laughs> it must have worked out. And uh, gradually I turned into more and more of a, of a copywriter. It's hard, isn't it? Because we're often asked, you know, about those early years. And it's all a bit of a blur, to be honest. I can't, you know, I can't remember the precise steps I took. I wish I'd written it all down. Um, but yeah, it just slowly builds up, doesn't it? And one thing leads to another and one job leads to another. And then all of a sudden, you're fabulously successful. <laughs> it, it, it would be great to write it down. And one thing I, I've, I've thought of doing, but then I just thought, no, it's too much work, is... Uh, um, I don't know what the word is for this, but a, a flow diagram or a process map showing all the referrals and the links from client to client, because it really did start off with, you know, a very small number of people um, and not that many cold approaches to me, you know, direct approaches to me in the early days. So it would be really interesting to see, you know, who spoke to whom. Um, you don't always know, of course, who's spoken to whom, but where it all came from and how it all flowed together, because that would be a great thing to show people and say, look, you'll be surprised what yeah. tiny links and conversations and somebody knows somebody and like a conversation that somebody has in the pub, something like that, in the bar, I should say, um, will lead to will lead to work for you. And, and that one contact, that chance contact, that could be someone who works with you for 10 years, 15 years, something like that. So true. It's so true. And you just don't know. But I think the, the most important thing of all of that is you've got to put yourself out there. And I think many new copywriters are sometimes a bit reluctant to say, I'm a copywriter or this is what I'm doing now. They're like, I don't want to say that because what if people think I'm not very good and I don't know, my website isn't quite right and I haven't done this kind of work and should I just do another course? And, you know, I think a big part of it is going, no, I'm here, I'm starting, I may not be perfect, but I'm cracking on. I don't know. That's what, that's what I think. Anyway. Well, yeah, and that fear, <laughs> yeah, of, the fear of being found out never goes away, I don't think. I don't exactly. think it, it doesn't go away. I mean, I've, you know, very established London copywriters who've won um, cancer silver lines and things like that i've seen them i've seen them tweeting about you know imposter syndrome and feeling like they're going to get caught out i think that's there on every job every morning you know every time you put yourself out there you feel like somebody's going to say you're not a copywriter who do you think you are that's like that's always always over your shoulder i don't think it ever goes away uh, but that's because we care, I guess. And that kind of leads quite nicely into our uh, next uh, question, um, you know, worrying about mistakes and, and being an imposter and not being very good. Did you did you have any low points or have you had any low points in your career or made any big mistakes and, and, and how did you bounce back? Well, I think this big mistake that I made was just not calling myself a copywriter right off the bat. Um, I think, uh, I mean, we are talking about 10 years ago, so... Um, the internet existed, you know, it was a thing, um, but it wasn't quite as all-pervasive as it is now. And when you were talking about, you know, young people, um, 
uh, you know, just going straight into copywriting from college. I think that's something that you could build up some confidence to do just by getting a really good idea of the copywriting industry online. You know, you could do that in, in a few days, really concentrated work. You could get a good sense of what was going on and how you might fit into it. Um, it, I mean, again, it's hazy in memory, but I don't remember really having that sense. I felt quite isolated. I felt on my own. It felt like it was just me out there with my skills in a indifferent or possibly even hostile market. Um, and it just didn't occur to me that I should call myself a copywriter because I didn't understand that that would be what clients would be searching for. I guess you know you just you just don't know what you don't know but because of my publishing and agency background I just didn't see myself as a as a copywriter or if I thought if I was aware of that as the right word then I thought I didn't have a right to use it um and gradually I realized that that was indeed the right word for what I was doing um even if I wasn't a true copywriter in the agency or advertising sense. So if there's any real, you know, agency copywriters who work for Saatchi or whoever listening to this, they're probably thinking, yeah, this guy isn't a real copywriter. He doesn't, he doesn't write any copy in the way that I do. And, and that's absolutely right. But it was also true that, um, even if people had, you know, maybe somebody had written some copy for their website that wasn't very good and they just needed someone to edit it up and improve it, well, they still felt like they needed a copywriter. Um, and once I realised that and started to call myself a copywriter, um, that was a real turning point for me, not just in commercial terms, um, but also psychologically because then that set me on a completely different path then and it also meant I was being proactive and um, self-determining about um, about who I was in, a, in the professional world saying I am a copywriter like you say having that self-belief to say this is what I am this is what I'm going to do this is what I do do um, and that's uh, that's a whole new path of, of development then as a freelance rather than just going out there passively and saying, well, I've done a bit of this and I've done a bit of that and maybe I can help you. Um, it's a completely different thing from saying, this is this is what I am. I'm a copywriter. Um, come and use me. Yeah. Mm, exactly, exactly. And I think um, one of the things Kate and I often talk about is the confidence aspect because I think most of... Um, the question around pricing, for example, is confidence. Definitely. Yeah, definitely, without, without a doubt. So flipping that coin over, what would you say has been one of your greatest successes? You've been in the business for a long time now. Like I'm sure Kate and I could name what looked to be some of your great successes, but what do you feel is one of your greatest successes? Well, um, the the reception for the PCN and what's happened with that has been has been a huge thing over the last few years. But I know we're going to talk about that a little later on. If we're talking about my personal career, um, it was a big. It, it's kind of been lots of little victories. I can't really pick out one thing. I mean, you know what it's like. You're doing several jobs every month. You know, some of them go really well. You like them. Some of them don't go so well. And it just, it, it, um, it all blends together to some extent. But I was really pleased when I was chosen by Jay's UK to write their website. So I don't know how many, um, overseas listeners, I mean, listeners outside the UK will know this firm. Um, Jay's, J-E-Y-E-S, um, they make something called Jay's Fluid, which is a sort of really powerful 
cleaner stroke disinfectant that you can use on your outside paths and things like that and used to clean toilets with a very distinctive smell. The point being, everyone in the UK has heard of Jay's Fluid. It's a brand like Hoover um, or Marmite, uh, Vegemite. You know, it's, it's a brand that everyone's heard of. Um, and that was the first time that I'd really worked for a genuine household name. So I remember where I started out, you know, working for... Um, probably working on quite small B2B accounts, um, firms that nobody had really heard of, local firms and things like that. And then eight years later, I finally got approached by a, a genuine household name. Um, and at that point, that was one of those sort of turn around and look at the view moments where you think, yeah, I've actually, um, you know, I've, I've achieved something here. Um, so that was did a- that, sorry, just quickly, did that working with that brand live up to your expectations I know um, can often be a big downer when it's not quite as awesome as you think it will be um, well I've got to be diplomatic because I, I've, I've named, the, named the client um, of course <laughs> Um, I, I think, um, I, think I, was, I just to put it up, I call it getting, I get big brand goggles, I call them like beer goggles, where I get very excited when a big brand comes to me and you kind of go, oh, that logo is going to look so good on my website and I can show off about it. And in all honesty, you know, I find, we're not talking about Jay specifically, but often it's, it's no more fun than doing a, you know, a small business IT website or a flyer for a hairdresser's, you know, at the end of the day. Well, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. I agree with what you're saying, um, and I would say all clients have their own um, idiosyncrasies. They all have their issues. You know, there are different issues involved with with working with them all. Um, smaller clients, you get a very close relationship. Um, you get a very deep understanding of the brief, but then obviously there may be issues around availability and budget and all that kind of thing. Um, Larger clients um, have all their ducks in a row, but they also have a lot of processes that they have to deal with, a lot of internal stakeholders, as people say, and that brings its own issues as well. So um, it's all swings and roundabouts, as we say in the UK. It is. That was very diplomatic. Well done, Tom. I, like yeah, I got out of that one okay, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, my daily routine varies a lot. Um, I fit it around um, fit it around childcare and home things and walking the dog and all that kind of thing. So I've got that freelance lifestyle that I was saying earlier that I really envied. I've, I've got it now. Um, what I've realised is that all it does is mush up your work life and your home life together so they're just irretrievably combined, which is not, not always that great. <laughs> that um, in terms of actual techniques, um, I'm a big fan of interviews, telephone interviews. Having done a lot of them for a magazine, as I'd mentioned earlier, I realised just how powerful that was as a way of getting people to talk and, more importantly, getting them to think, getting them to really put their ideas in, into words. Um, so I use that a lot. That's one of my go-to techniques, especially if um, people are struggling to get the copy together. I always suggest that I'm not going to force them to go away and write something if they're not really writing people. If they're more verbal, then I'll always say, well, let's do an interview. Let's just chat like we are now. Um, then I transcribe that and um, turn it into something, well, hopefully better. Um, 
I'm an ex-editor, as I've said, so I'm a lot better, I think, at structuring and planning rather than free writing. Um, I know free writing can be a good approach, just brain dumping down onto the page. Um, but I do tend, I do like getting into Word and getting all my headings set up and thinking, well, how, how's it going to work? You know, I'm quite a structured kind of person. So I do tend to work by writing and structuring and sort of going directly for the end result. For better or worse, it's not always the right way. It's, well, it's often isn't the right way. Um, but it's my go-to way of, of getting text together. Um, when I get stuck, I try and change venue, even if it's just within the house, just go into another room where the light is different or the sound is different or, you know, use the laptop instead of my desktop or just switch something around, put music on, something like that. Um, and if I'm busy, I do sometimes use the Pomodoro technique. I don't know if this is familiar to you. Yes, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know about that. So, well, just in case listeners don't know, it's basically a system where you um, work on a number of projects um, in turn for a limited period. So you have a list of maybe three projects. You work on one for half an hour, take five-minute break, work on another for half an hour, take a five-minute break, and then work on the third one for half an hour, and then carry on like that. So you're making progress on multiple fronts, and your brain... Um, your subconscious brain can think about the other things while you're working on the one thing that's at the forefront of your mind. Um, and I, I, if you're if you're both using it, then I guess you'll agree that can be quite surprisingly powerful sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I find um, if I've got if I haven't got that um, long to work, because I also work around family um, commitments and things like that, I find that kind of twenty five minute. Um, work period then have a break helps me get a lot done because I stay really focused for those little short bursts but then at the end I'm kind of like oh my gosh I got so much done my yeah. brain kind of hurts yeah <laughs> I need to just be on Facebook for a little while yeah yeah I use, I use social media as a bit of a reward I must admit um and I also sometimes just stop everything and just watch a movie or watch an episode of something funny just to kind of clean my mental palette, as I like to call it, just to break things up a bit. I was just going to say, on, on the social media thing, um, I have a tendency to go to that a bit too often and just start um, bibbling around on Twitter or something. And I actually use software that locks it out so I can't visit it. It's called Self Control on the Mac. Um, and I just, uh, I, you can just say, okay, I don't want it. You can give it domains that you don't want to visit. So I've got Twitter, um, The Guardian, um, some other sites that I, you know, just compulsively visit all the time and start messing about on. I've got a list of them and I just say, okay, for these three hours, say 10 o'clock to one o'clock, I'm not going to go to any of those sites and I'm just going to work. And, uh, I find that quite useful because it's not, I'm not even conscious that I'm doing it sometimes. You know, the, the link to Twitter is there and, you know, I'm going, going between Windows and going between Finder and Word and Excel and suddenly I'm going between Finder and Word and Twitter and then I'm clicking on a link in Twitter and then I'm on the wire, um, the wired site or, you know, some other random technology site or the Apple website. And, and then, you know, without even realizing what I'm doing. Um, so sometimes it's good to just kind of lock the office door and say, no, you're working now. 
Uh, we'll put a link to that um, app in the show notes as well. I'm going to investigate that because I you're have, right. I have it, but it was just too depressing, so I got rid of it. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very, very powerful. You cannot once you've done it, you can't. You've basically got to break the computer with a hammer. It doesn't matter if you restart, quit everything, um, whatever, whatever you do, um, it is still there, preventing you from going on Twitter. So you have to go and get your phone. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tom, if you could um, start your copywriting business again, and I think I might know the answer to this, but what would you do differently from the outset? Um, well, I would I would call myself a copywriter sooner. Um, I've said yeah. that. Um, I guess, you know, like I was saying, I think some of that was based in... Um, ignorance of what was going on and some of that was, was I think willful ignorance as well like when when I started going online and seeing like there was a copy you know because you can find out there's a copywriter a hundred yards from you down the road um, and when you're starting out that can be a bit disconcerting because you think well why is anybody going to choose me if they're just down the if they're just there um, so I think I did you know I put my head in the sand a little bit about you know who was out there and what they were doing um, I, I had a bit of a scarcity mentality about that so you know if you're looking at lots of providers in the market you can either conclude that the market is saturated and there's no place for you or you can conclude that there's a lot of work out there and therefore you're going to do great um, I'm probably a bit of a natural pessimist so I tended towards the former view and then over the years I've gradually pushed myself towards the latter view which is that things are going to be okay there's lots of work out there everything's fine that may or may not be true but um, it's a useful belief for freelancers maybe even an essential belief so mm. um, you know getting getting them getting the mindset right which is broader than just saying I am a copywriter but um, having a whole set of positive beliefs about what's going to happen and it's not like just pushing a switch it's something you have to work on um, thinking the right way getting your head right I don't think well for me anyway that's never a that's not a something you just do and then it's done it's something you have to do again every day but it gets easier um, and in general I would say um, just not waiting you know just just doing things when they occur if something has occurred to you and you think it's the right thing to do then just go ahead and do it so that could be calling yourself a copywriter could be going freelance um, could be anything uh, if you're thinking about doing something don't wait take action um, Improvements will always come from your efforts. They might not always come the way that you think or the way that you hoped they would. But in general, I would say um, it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't when it comes to freelancing. Just get out there and do it. I mean, I'm always encouraging people to go freelance who are in jobs that they don't particularly like now. Um, I always say, well, you know, just just go ahead and do it, which is easy for me to say because actually I didn't, even though I was in their position, I waited for that push. Um, so I always say to people, you know, be proactive, take your fate into your own hands, uh, take action, which I know is easier said than done. But uh, if you're saying, you know, what would you do differently? I would, you know, that would be my that would be my lesson really, because. To be honest, a lot of the time that I spent in paid work, all I was doing was just earning money. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't gaining experience that was going to help me in any way. I was, I was just sitting there. And in retrospect, that was, um, you know, that was really wasted time. And I could have got where I am now, you know, a lot, lot earlier in my life if I'd, if I'd taken action sooner.
Okay, some, some really excellent advice there, Tom, and, and, and I couldn't really agree with it more, although like you, I'm often recommending to people they go freelance, even though I took a very long time to take that leap myself, and I actually had to get pregnant before I was brave enough to do it. Um, and with all this advice, I'm assuming that you pass this all on to your uh, network, your copywriter's network, and I, I'd love to know a little bit more about how the Professional Copywriter's Network works, and how you founded it, and, and why you founded it. Yeah, sure. Um, the impetus for it originally came from the rise of content mills. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not going to name any of them. Um, if you look on my blog, you can see some that I've um, written about and criticised, but I won't sort of rake, rake all that over again. Um, but I and a number of writers that I know were approached by a particular content mill um, around about... Um, around about 2010, 11, something like that. Um, and they were offering um, what is now, you know, not a very controversial rate of, I think it was two or three P a word to the writer, and then they were selling it to the to the client at five P or eight P a word, something like that. I don't know. I mean, you can go online and research all the, all the by word rates that are available for content now. Um, so this was a bit newer back then than it is now. It's become, I don't, know if, I don't know if it's accepted, but it's become commonplace anyway for people to create content this way. Um, and we were just a bit, uh, so me and, and a number of writers that I knew were a bit outraged by this really, um, that you know they were offering a rate that um, unless you wrote at a superhuman speed, you would not be able to turn that into a, a decent wage. Um, ben, who I co-founded PCN with, has done a post and a calculation where he worked out that realistically you were probably working for below the UK minimum wage um, if you did anything like a good job um, on that sort of per word rate. Um, and when we got talking about this, we just thought, well... You know, there should be an organisation for copywriters to position copywriting as more of a profession, as a professional um, skill. It's not a profession in the sense of having um, specific qualifications that you have to get. In that sense, it's a trade. Um, but at the same time, it's something that should be done in a professional way and it should be treated in a professional way. And it shouldn't be bought by the yard like um, wool or something. You know, writing isn't a commodity. Um, it's a craft at the very least, and the way it's treated should reflect that. So we thought, well, what about an organisation that writers can join that will um, that will promote copywriting as more of a professional thing? Um, we were surprised, to be honest, that um, there was no organisation like that that already existed. Um, there are some writers' organisations out there, so I'm, you know I don't want to imply that there's that there's nothing. Um, there's things like the Society for Editors and Proofreaders. There's an organisation called Twenty Six in the UK, which is a, a great organisation. Um, but there wasn't anything that was just about commercial writing, commercial copywriting, and that was what we thought was the gap in the in the market. So we thought, well, let's create it. Um, and initially it was a free-to-join, well, it is, still is free-to-join. Um, it was a website, procopywriters.co.uk. That's all it was in the, in the early days. Um, and people could join, and there was a blog, and, and that's all it was, really. And after a while we thought, well, um, we need to get together in the real world, not just online. 
So the natural step was to do a conference. Um, so we set that up. Um, the first one um, went really well considering um, how quickly we did it and how shonky the whole planning and setting up process was. It came together really well. We were lucky to have the services of a very professional event manager. He helped us bring it all together and he still does. Um, so that was in 2013. Then we did it again in 2014, and it was a bit more um, professional. I should say the speakers we had were excellent. They were all very professional. It was us who, who weren't together. Um, 2014 was a bit better, and this year it's been um, better again. And more and more people have come, <laughs> and, it's, and it's turned into... Um, well, I mean, I wish I could go as a delegate, to be honest. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to organise it, because... Um, it seems like it's a great opportunity for everyone to get together, learn about copywriting, hear people talk about copywriting and just be in a room full of copywriters. So it's particularly if you work on your own in an office all day, all year, um, then it's a great chance to come out and meet other people and see that, you know, we all, we all do different kinds of copywriting, but actually we all face many of the same issues, the same problems. We all get the same pleasure out of our work, and it's just great to be able to meet up and talk about that. Yeah, that's great. And um, I don't know if you know, Tom, but I have a, a project over here that I call, that's called the Clever Copywriting uh, School, and uh, we're, we're not quite at the level you're at yet, but it's a similar sort of goal to kind of try and bring copywriters together and give some advice and help them, you know, understand what other people are charging and just increase the transparency uh, between writers and, and help help us all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. something that so I, I should have mentioned that, actually. We have a set of what we now call suggested, uh, not recommended, because recommended is too strong, apparently. I've been advised. But a set of suggested <laughs> rates for, for copywriters. And that was one of the things that everybody has always said um, they wanted and people have said that it's valuable. Um, we, we suggest ranges for things like an hourly rate or a daily rate or specific jobs. Those ranges are very wide because they have to accommodate um, the range of experience that people could be bringing to the job as well as regional variations in the UK. So there's, there's a big waiting if you're in London, obviously. Um, so it's, it's, not, um, it's not sort of hugely definitive. But it's a start, and it just gives people something to refer to when they're when they're setting rates, and it puts a stick in the ground to say, um, you know, the other extreme from two p a word or whatever to say, um, this is how we see it, and it's much more along the lines of the way, um, I don't know, an architect or a solicitor would would charge for their work. Um, rather than the way somebody would sell you um, a load of coal or sugar or something like that. So it's just saying, um, you know, a fair rate for a job well done, really. Yeah, that's yeah great. quite right, too. We'll include a link to um, that in the, in the show notes and also to the Australian equivalent, which is on the Clever Copywriting site. And I um, will, and it's actually on the page, but I took huge inspiration from Tom's page when, when I created that page for the Australian market. Um, and it links back to the Pro Copywriters Network as well. So thank you for that, Tom. You've not just helped UK writers, you've helped Australian writers too. Cool. Uh, cool. Happy to help. <laughs> so what do you think, Tom, do you have any ideas of what it takes to be a good copywriter? Um... I think uh, for the kind of work that I do, which is a lot of um, B2B work, um, explaining services and products um, 
that are sometimes you know not uh, not that interesting on the face of it maybe let, let's say and can be complicated as well i think you really need curiosity so you have to really want to find out what makes a product good and this is for b2c as well but but particularly b2b um you need to really get behind the product or the service and understand all its benefits and how they all work um and you have to understand that a tiny detail that you find out after maybe a few weeks of working with this with this project that could be the key to your copy um it might be the last thing that the client tells you not the first thing that they tell you that that ends up being um giving you the original idea the original concept that can really bring your copy to life um another thing is um bravery which is something that comes with experience it's kind of what we've been talking about but in terms of the writing specifically um you've got to be able to tell the client when they're wrong um you've got to be able to tell them when you really think their ideas won't work it's up to them if they don't take your advice that's their prerogative but you've got to be able to put it out there um if they're being too ambitious or if they're not being ambitious enough um you've got to be able to tell them that's your professional role as as a copywriter um and the final thing that i thought was um ruthlessness so this is um encapsulated by the phrase kill your darlings which is when you've got that idea that you yourself are kind of pretty pleased with and you're thinking oh this is you know this is such a clever idea sometimes that's the idea you have to throw away and you have to keep looking for a better idea which usually means a simpler idea or an idea that isn't so impressive isn't going to make people think um oh what a clever idea um as a quote from David Ogilvy here that's just popped into my head and I'm probably going to misquote it but it's something like um he said something like we don't want people to think oh what a clever advertisement we want people to think oh what a really good product um and i think you get to that by being ruthless with yourself and like i say throwing away the ideas that maybe seem clever and just keeping on going till you get to the idea that's good which sometimes can seem stupidly simple or obvious but i think that's how you know when you've arrived at the right answer yeah i think they're they're absolutely fantastic qualities um, and i it's sometimes a little easy i think when you've got a little bit of experience under your belt to be maybe a little bit smug and you write a sentence and you're like ooh i like that i think i've done a good job then but you've got to as you said you've got to remove yourself from the process in a way um and focus on making sure that the customers react in the emotional way that you want them to it's not about making the words sound pretty it's making the words do their job definitely yeah and it's all about the outcome um i mean i've i've did a post about this a, a couple of years ago where i wrote something and the client came back um with some amends and and they improved it you know <laughs> they improved the draft so i wouldn't want to imply that this happens on every job that i do and clients are always having to you know rework my stuff um but it did happen once that you know my draft drew out of the client something something that was better um and again that just has to be accepted you know that it's about the best possible outcome however you get there um obviously you want to play a role in that a leading role if possible but basically it's about doing the very best you can for the client and the product by whatever means necessary yeah mm. i totally agree i mean i think you 
already given us some some great advice there for for old and new copywriters. But we kind of like to ask our um, interviewees to give us one one good tip to pass on to newbie copywriters, um, so that they can leave this podcast with one one thing to remember. <laughs> Okay, well, the, uh, the one that I've come up with is um, is a little bit off the wall. Um, and it's not going to um, help you build a whole um, a whole career, I don't think. But it's something that I haven't mentioned yet, and it's to take up running or take up some other activity that is nothing to do with copywriting um, that will take you out of yourself and give you a space where you can just think without necessarily writing anything down. Um, so it could be running, could be cycling, could be swimming, could be walking. I think it helps when it's physical. Um, you know, remind yourself that you've got a body. You're not just a brain in a jar in front of a computer because you can get like that when you're a freelancer, you know, where it's just you in a, in a room and you, um, you stop feeling like you've got a physical body anymore. Um, and that's not a good way to, that's not a good way to think. You know, the brain and the body are, are, are one system. It's not, you can't just take the brain out and make it work eight hours a day. Um, so do something like running, get out of the office. Um, it will bring you a lot of writing ideas. It will help you get clear on your freelance business as well, if that's the way you work. Um, it will generally help you sort things out and get things straight in your mind. Um, so that would be my advice, if you possibly can. I know it's got to be fitted around family things and other stuff like that. But if you can get out of the office and do something physical at some point in the day, ideally first thing, um, you'll find it makes a huge difference to your writing and your working life generally. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Tom. Do you do that, Belinda? Do you have a, a thing? I like the idea of running more than I like the task of running but I think it is excellent advice I do a lot more walking these days because I have a toddler so my walking tends to be very slow but um, with a dog and a toddler it's very regular and I think this is really really great advice to get out get the fresh air get your body moving because that's when I find ideas start connecting in my head yeah I, I walk the dog every every morning on the beach which is very nice for me and I also you know, sometimes in the middle of the day when I'm just getting a bit frustrated or I can't think of anything, I'll go and randomly do some gardening, like, you know, cutting down some big bush or <laughs> mowing the lawn. And I find when I come back, I'm all refreshed and my brain is all squidgy again and ready to ready to rock. So great advice and, uh, yeah, unusual advice. I like that. That's fantastic. Mm, me too, me too. Thanks, Tom. That's a, that's a great um, uh, note to end on. Um, I hope you've enjoyed... Uh, being on our podcast thank you very much for coming along thank you for having me i really enjoyed it excellent well um you can find out more about tom at his website abc copywriting we'll include a link to that and tom's twitter account his linkedin account if you're a fan of linkedin i'm sure there are a few of you out there and uh the professional copywriters network of course so um we'll add all of those to the show notes so you can follow tom and learn more of his wisdom um thank you so much tom thank you it's been brilliant. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your review will help other copywriters find us. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. 
Until next time, happy writing! Yeah, well, likewise, and it's great to do a podcast because um, I've never done one before. Have you not? No. <gasps> We've broken your pod, whatever it's called. Cherry, pod cherry. Yeah, pod, pod cherry is broken, <laughs> cherry yeah. Cherry or whatever it is, fantastic. Fantastic.